this vision of having a great life, entrepreneurship, whatever you want to articulate it as, it's oversold. And what I mean by that is people aren't telling the truth of what it takes to get here, right? But I'm telling you, once you get here, it's 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 worth every second of it. The question is, do you got what it takes to to, to get through the storm? Jeff Barnes here with the Angels Exits and Acquisitions podcast again. And we had an incredible interview today with Zach Ullman, who has learned how to travel the world, making money, doing incredible things, investing. And we're going to talk a little bit about his shareholder model. And also, he's the first guest that has mentioned one of my favorite books of all time. But you're going to have to watch the episode to learn more and learn how he is making a killing, making people happy, traveling the world, having fun and making a difference. So, Jump in. As always, like, subscribe, and share. Thanks. Welcome to Angels Exits and Acquisitions, the place to learn how to fund, scale, exit, and massively profit as an angel investor or entrepreneur. Brought to you by the Angel Investors Network. And now, here's your host, Jeff Barnes. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Angels Exits and Acquisitions. I'm your host, Jeff Barnes, and I'm here today with Zach Ullman. Zach, how are you doing today? I am loving every second of it, my friend, coming live from Medellin, Colombia. I was going to say, you know, you're you're in a different part of the world than you were just a few years ago. And I'd love for you to tell folks a little bit about your background and how you ended up where you are. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, Indiana farm kid, uh, grew up in a town of about 3,500 people. And that was all I really thought about was being uh, on the farm. And then I graduated high school and I, you know, I had a vision of traveling the world, helping people and making a lot of money. And I realized you know, being uh, on a farm wasn't going to help me do that. So I picked up a book. It's funny by uh, Peter Lynch. You know, he's a, a famous investor. And I started learning that you could buy businesses, you can invest in businesses, you can, you know, you can actually make that a career. And it, it just fascinated me because I wanted to make money because I didn't have any. And so went to, you know, Indiana University, graduated top of my class with a degree in finance and business in 2008. If anybody remembers 2008, it was a horrible time to be anybody, let alone a fresh graduate with no experience coming in, competing against Lehman Brothers, right. Morgan Stanley, and all those guys. Uh, took a job for a year uh, with a real estate investor. I worked for free just to get some experience. I worked down at Chicago Board of Trade as an option a commodities broker for a year. And then I landed a job, my first, I call it corporate gig, as a valuation consultant. And that's when things really started gaining traction. I didn't know what it was. Uh, but I, I just jumped into it because I wanted the experience. And so I learned how to value assets, specifically private, uh, illiquid, non-marketable assets. And it was very, very complex, very theoretical in nature. And I just I became very good at it and uh, progressed into working for one of the best companies in the world, uh, becoming a published author in that. Had every bell and whistle you could think of from a compensation standpoint. And I absolutely hated it. Because it was like, it's everything I wanted and I got it. It was, it was the time I was most depressed in my life because, you know, I was working 80 to 100 hours a week, you know, sleeping on the floor, trying to get projects done. And, and I don't mind working that much. I just didn't see an end in sight. And so a friend said, hey, why don't you check out this real estate thing? Uh, you know, you don't need a whole lot of money. So I, I focus on that and quit my job for that. I uh, started building uh, a community of that, bought my first business. Uh, progressed into over a thousand people in my private community, became on the uh, uh, founders board of the company that we sold their education. 
And then, you know, bought a, bought a bunch of real estate myself. And then I wanted to take it to the next level. And I wanted to start buying, uh, really focusing on buying businesses. And so that's, that's what we focus on today is we uh, help people start scale, sell their businesses. And then we look for equity in that. And then we teach people how to reinvest the proceeds into real estate for wealth building and tax strategies. That's awesome, man. So, you know, similar story for myself. I had a nice cushy corporate job and, you know, making plenty of money and was miserable for most of it. The difference was I wasn't working 80 or hundred hours a week at that point. I, I did that in the Navy. So I decided I wasn't going to do that anymore. But I still I had one of those jobs that I think a lot of people would be enviable of. I saw my boss twice a year. I was working from home. I've been working from home for the last you know, 16 years now. And you know, I still hated it. And I think that's something that's unique to to folks that actually are very ambitious and motivated. You know, a lot of people, and you, you and I probably have some similarities when it comes to this. When you look at some folks, like, how in the world are you happy with what you have right now? And to me, I used to be very judgy about that. I used to think everybody would want to be an entrepreneur. Why wouldn't you want to be an entrepreneur? It doesn't make any sense to not want to be an entrepreneur or have that freedom, right? And most people are not wired that way. And I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, the folks like you and I end up getting very bored, even though something is good, it's paying well, it's putting a roof over your head, it's taking care of all your needs. But for whatever reason, it's just not uh, scratching that itch, right? That entrepreneurial itch, as Michael Gerber calls it. So uh, I'd imagine you have a little bit of uh, that background with you. So you just, for whatever yeah, reason, you had that and you didn't, know, you didn't know it early on. I have a coach. So I, I, I coach two to three times a week. And, you know, I was sitting... Uh, I wanted to travel for my whole life. I, I, we've been doing it for three, four years nonstop. And I remember sitting on a beach in uh, Dominican Republic. I mean, I, I had the money, I had the travel, I had the, uh, you know, we were helping a lot of people. Those were the three, you know, my three big things. And I was depressed, right? I just wasn't fulfilled. Let's put it that way. And my coach is like, oh, you stopped asking what's next, right? What's next? What's next? What's next? And I got, I just like you, man, I, I have to be like, okay, cool accomplish that, climb that mountain, where's the next one? And I just really enjoy the, 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 the challenge of whatever's next. And so I, I will never slow down. I'll never, you know, uh, quote unquote, retire. That's just not my, per that's not who I am as a person. I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for what's next. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And the beauty of what you do now, you know, buying, selling businesses, investing in, you know, assets that produce cash flow is you don't have to retire, right? I mean, right. that's almost the definition of retirement is when you have assets that fund your lifestyle without you having to work for them anyway, right? Absolutely. And so it's, uh, you know, and, you know, you, you always got to maintain, right? Because you got to manage your managers, <laughs> right. right? Make sure, you know, because I, I, I've set a lot of people up to win and they, they get, you know, lazy or they take their eye off their ball or something happens to them. And it's like, so you still got, you know, we still got to keep, keep a focus on the managers. Make sure they're yeah, doing absolutely. that. Absolutely. So I definitely want to touch on that because I think that's a really important topic. You know, um, assets only produce in relation to how well they're managed, right? If they're right. poorly managed, they're only going to produce so much. And the, the best managed assets, whether it's a business, whether it's real estate of any kind, um, doesn't really matter. That's when it's going to start producing really well. But you're doing this all from what appears to be the forest or jungle of Colombia right now. I'm in Medellin, Colombia, which is the greenest city I've ever been. And so if you're watching this, I have a bunch of, I'm on the eighth floor. We have a, a rented like a penthouse down here and I'm in, I'm in the heart of Medellin right now. And so it's just, that's, you know, there's a river right across from me. It's just so lush. It's so beautiful. So, yeah. And so that, like you were saying, when you were younger, that's what you want to do. You want to travel the world. You want to make money and help people doing it. 
And here you are in Colombia. We're recording this podcast literally 10, maybe not 10,000 miles away, but several thousand miles apart from each other. And you're still managing your entire portfolio. So what was the what was the urge or the impetus to finally give up the corporate side and go on this route to travel? And how did you manage to do that while still managing all of your businesses and your your interests? I just remember, you know, so the sort of the, the, the fuel to the fire was I was just going into the office every day fighting. The, you know, it was Chicago. We had a down by the airport. I, I used to drive. You know, I lived in Indiana, a small farming community. So I drove five years. I drove uh, about 100 miles round trip to school for every day for five years. And then the next, you know, progression was drive to Chicago every day from cows, which was like 200 miles round trip. through. And so I was just used to driving and I, I hated it. And so, but I was like, well, I got to do It's what I got to do. And so as I was working in corporate America, I just, I felt um, like my life wasn't going to start until I was in retirement. And I was like, that just, is, I felt like a caged animal. And so I said, I got to be able to learn how to make money online. I got to learn this online marketing stuff. And I just poured myself into uh, online uh, the online world. I was a, a socially awkward young man. I, I finance was my my thing because I didn't have to talk to a lot of people and I understood it very well. Uh, and so the sales and marketing aspect of what I was doing it was it was such a leap for me. I just became very good on online marketing, very good at front of the room type stuff uh, through personal development. I saw that that was the key to allow me to uh, be geographically independent. And then, you know, uh, COVID came around and it, I, I remember I was forced to move online. We had, you know, meetings twice a week with two to 300 people in them. And I, that was, that was my life's work. And I was like, I'm not going to let this just go down the drain and, and let these people just, you know, disperse. So I got to keep the community alive. And so I figured it out. We didn't miss a beat. Uh, we hopped on Zoom. And then I was like, oh, you know, the world is catching up with this online thing. It's not weird anymore. It's not different. And, you know, we just kept rolling with it. And all of, almost all of my teams are from around the world. We have uh, 45 people in 11 countries that I work with. We just onboarded another 80, uh, a firm of 80 people uh, for my financial services firm for the back end. And so, you know, it's in the world of remote workers, it's so common practice now that it doesn't, it's not new. It's not scary. It's, you know, it's just about finding the right people though and putting the right systems and processes in place. Well, that's the key right there, right? Is, you know, systems, processes, and the right people. If, you know, if you don't have the right people in the right seats on the bus, then, you know, the whole thing comes to a grinding halt. So you were able to go and you, you were saying that you were doing these investor meetings twice a week in, right. in Phoenix, if I recall. Yeah, Phoenix. So, First off, how did you get started in that? Why did you do that? If you weren't like you were the, the valuation guy from corporate, how did you make that leap from, you know, working in the corporate world to all of a sudden wanting to run these investor communities? Well, it was sort of, you know, I don't want to say by accident, but it was, it was the long way around because, you know, in corporate, in the corporate gig, I was the financial expert. I was the M&A guy. Like I could, I could tell you everything about finance and your business and all that. But I didn't know how to make money. Like it didn't equate to making the type of money I wanted. Uh, you know, it, running my own business, and I didn't know how to raise money. Like you know, I I did when you're when you have a big company like this, and right. I just. But it's different, you know, when you're on your own trying to buy these private businesses. I I don't. I'm I'm Zach. I'm not. I don't get to hang Will Lamette management on my on my uh, letterhead. And so someone said, Zach, you don't need any money or credit to invest in real estate. 
I was like, okay, that's, that's cool. And so that's why I got into real estate because I didn't know how to raise money for businesses. And so uh, I actually bought like a $15,000 mastermind. It was a private community, uh, you know, scrounged all my pennies together and uh, did that and just started hanging around these people to like learn how do you, how do you find a deal? How do you do the due diligence? Like, cause I was brought in, you know, these million multi-billion dollar deals is totally different than, you know, the entry level stuff I was dealing with. And so I got to know, you know, to be scrappy and to figure it out and use what you got, that whole entrepreneurial spirit, as opposed to having an endless checkbook. And so, uh, you know, I, I made some money in real estate. I gained some skill sets. A lot of those skill sets, you know, transition over to business because the business of real estate and I uh, just leveraged my resources in that community uh, my private uh, real estate community uh, and then parlayed that into obviously the next year, which is businesses. And so you just decided to start building a community around that and say, Hey, you know, we're all learning this together. Let's just go ahead and do it and, and just start hanging out. Yeah, well, I, I joined a community that $15,000 mastermind I joined, that right. was a community. And then okay. that was in Chicago. And so, you know, I read this beautiful, uh, beautiful book and it says, uh, you can't make money without other people. It, you know, it's much more complex than that, but you know, it's like, try to go make money, try to go, you know, in the middle of nowhere and try to make money. You can't, you need other people. And we call that community, right? And so you need, you need buyers, you need sellers, you need professionals, you need realtors, you need you know, all of these things to do real estate and everyone else is looking for theirs. And what was at the time, it, you know, it was like a monthly meeting at your Azrias or, you know, a, a quarterly meeting. And I was like, where do people go? I need, I need it for myself. Where do people go in the interim? And so I just started one in Arizona. I said, let's meet every day. And so I, we call it the boardroom call. Uh, we have 40 to 60 people on there every day. It's like, Jeff, what's your question? Uh, Zach, what's your, you know, we, we underwrite deals, we raise money, we look at co- whatever somebody needs. So it becomes a learning experience, uh, becomes a networking experience, becomes a money-making opportunity every morning. Uh, and so that's, I just became really passionate about learning how to build communities. Then they bring all the resources to us. Oh, that's very cool. And, and it's so true too, right? You know, we talk about it takes a village to raise a chil- uh, raise children, but it's the same thing when it comes to, you know, pulling any deal together. You know, there's no one person that I know of that can get everything done by themselves. Um, right. You know, even, even Trump had uh, uh, George Ross, right? And George Ross was his like right-hand man. And he was the guy that would, bring the team together. Donald Trump was just the, you know, he was the cheerleader, so to speak, right? The evangelist. But, um, right. you know, you had George Ross that would just bring all these deal makers together to do the, you know, nine figure deals and things like that. And it's so true. You know, we, we like to think that if we go learn something, whether it's a mastermind or a seminar or a book or going and getting an MBA, or like you said, you, you went through all this valuation expertise and training and you got a degree in it, but even you still need to go, okay, well, I need to learn. I need to surround myself with the right people. Absolutely. Yeah. Without, you know, experience is the missing link for most people. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I've got, I, I got the battle wounds to prove it. <laughs> right? Right. Oh my, I've lost money. I've, I've spent so much money, but I'm telling you like, it was all worth it because it's just, it's the road of, of the journey. And you know, the, the, the better uh, your network is, the better people you surround yourself with it the easier it is, but you're still going to have bumps and bruises. You're still going to have to go through your, your, uh, your experiences, good, bad, right, wrong, whatever it is to turn you into who you are. And that's what I really value today is I've been through a lot. I mean, I've had partners steal from me. I've had deals go, you know, all of that horrible stuff that you hear. I've had it, my version of it. 
but it, it makes me tougher. It makes me more uh, critical thinking. It, it makes me put checks and balances in place and it helps me become a better uh, mentor, coach, consultant, whatever you want to call it. Not quite as easy as what Peter Lynch described initially, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Peter Lynch says, just go sit at the mall and watch, you know, watch where everyone spends their money type yep. thing. And you can do that, right? But the challenge is, is I didn't have a whole lot of money to invest. And I think that's that's another thing uh, people are, they don't understand. It's like you you have to be a high income earning earner to invest the money, to, to invest the money you make or go raise it from somebody. But if you don't have anything, like people aren't going to trust you with that money. So I tell people that I work with today, you have to grow into a person that that people can trust. And I, I, I've never raised any outside money for any of my deals other than real estate, right? So all my businesses are self-funded uh, because I had to in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the start because I didn't know, I didn't know how to pitch. People wouldn't trust me. Uh, and then I learned this concept called bootstrapping. Uh, I'm, I'm great at finance. I'm great at financial projection models. And so uh, that's, that's how I've uh, supported all of my businesses is, is bootstrapping. That's great. And that, that point that you have to become the person that people are going to trust, like that's huge. And, you know, we get companies coming at us literally every single day asking us for help raising capital and why won't people just invest in us and can you just invest? And it's like, you know, that trust factor is, it's not something that's super tangible, right? It's not like you can just check a box and say, oh yeah, we got this little thing figured out and no problem. You know, because financial stewardship is a really big deal. And, oh my, that's huge. You know, people that are raising capital, whether it's for real estate, whether it's for a startup, whether it's for a business, whether it's for you know, an oil and gas opportunity, doesn't really matter. You know, it's not about just, you know, the, the, the pro forma that they put in front of you, right? It's not just about the due diligence checklist. Sometimes it is about the people behind it and the gut feeling, okay, do I really think this person has my best interest at heart? They're going to be a good steward of my money. They're actually going to do what they say they have to do. And they can prove it because they've shown me the expertise, the experience, and so on, right? I think that's a really important thing. And you don't get that without experience. Yeah, I remember I was working down at Chicago Board of Trade and the lead, um, the lead uh, trader, I just, yeah, I, I knew it was, when he said this, he goes, um, he goes, you know, these people should be kissing my feet for 8% returns in commodities, right? And I'm just like, oh my God, like, what? And he, and he had this arrogance to him. He goes, Zach, they're all going to lose money. The question is like, how much can we make? Right. And I was just, I'm like, I, I can't do it. I went and I remember I was this young kid. Like I went into the owner's office. I was like, I can't do this. This is, this is stupid. You know, uh, like people, people, my friends, are, you're pitching my friends out there and they think you're going to be a steward of their money. And then you mm-hmm. just turn and it was just like, I got to see, you know, the bats. I'm, the bad side of that world. And I still see people today, you know, they, they go and they raise money or they wonder why they can't raise money, but they're not, they're, they're not willing to educate themselves or putting their own money in. And when I ask them that, they say, well, I don't want to lose my money, but you're totally okay with losing somebody else's. Right. And so they have no, they're not present to the impact of that's somebody's life savings. Like they've spent their career working on that. And I know personally, I've, um, I've lost money. I'll be the first one to admit it. And uh, I've paid it back. I didn't have to, you know, the paperwork says, you know, it was, I'm not personally liable for it, but from a, from like a context of trust, I, I don't want anyone to be able to go and say, Zach didn't do the right thing. And so I wrote, you know, I wrote the check. I covered, covered the loss. Uh, and because it makes the next time around when I do need money that much more easier, I can go, Hey, look, 
this one went bad. I covered the loss. Uh, I'm willing to do the right thing, whatever that is. And it just really creates that, that, uh, that trust factor. Absolutely. And one karma too, right? Whether you believe it or not, it's a real thing, right? So totally, you know, if, uh, if you live that life of, oh, well, yeah, somebody else's money and I don't have to go for it. You know, that, that seeps through into your character. And I think that does have major downside effects down the road versus doing the right thing, even when it's hard, difficult, no fun. Um, you might lose friends over it sometimes because, you know, you've had people that are like, oh, well, you know, it's an investor's money and we'll just get them on the next one or, or, or we'll just start another business. Like I can't do that in good faith. Right. You can't just like shut right. down shop and, and walk away. Right. You know, during, during COVID our business came to a screeching halt, right? We were doing a lot of the same things you're doing live events and live events was our business. How we bring capital in, how we bring investors in and things like that. And it came to a screeching halt. But I have shareholders. It's not like I'm just going to shut up, you know, shut out the doors and walk away, even though I had other partners who did. Right. So there's days I wanted to. Oh, my God. But oh this would be just yeah. so much easier if I could just turn it off. But then yeah. you, you, life goes on and then you have to go out into the world with that on your reputation now. Exactly. And it's like it just makes it that much more harder to create the next thing. Well, and that seeps right through into your own personal being and your energy. Right. Right. Not to get too theoretical here, but, you know, when when you start thinking about that over and over again, or if you're the investor who lost the money and you're thinking about that over and over again, you're just attracting more of that into your life. Right. right. It, 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 we don't you, want that. that. That constant conversation in your head about, I hope, you know, the embarrassment, the, the, the stories you make up, the the phone calls from the investors that are upset and telling you that, I mean, I've, I've experienced it all from, you know, not me personally, but when you run a a group of uh, a thousand people, you know, there's stuff that doesn't always go as planned and and people, uh, people don't always do the right thing. And then, you know, I, I, I get sent in to sort things out to make sure everyone, you know, stays civil, but you know, you hear the horror stories and a lot of it comes down to people. This is my opinion. People don't, understand what they're getting into because if they did oh my gosh there's a reason you get 15 to 20 percent return like it's not gonna go as planned right Right. (laughs) if you understand risk reward aspects it's like trust me i've never had anything go as planned and so that's for sure (laughs) right right and so that but that's where the value is the the value is because if it did go as planned everyone could do it the value is knowing what you do when it doesn't go as planned and keeping the keeping the wheels on the bus and that's, you know, again, without experience and, and mentorship and coaching, all of that, I, I have plenty of my own uh, because sometimes I don't know how to keep the wheels on the bus, go get some coaching and, you know, get back in there and keep playing. Absolutely. Yeah, no, true words cannot have been said. So it's kind of funny. We were uh, yesterday I was playing cash flow with my kids yeah. and my my oldest is this kid that has to win, always wants okay. to win all the time. He's like really smart with his money, dollars and cents, making sure everything's matched perfectly and making the good financial. And he's 11, right? And then my youngest, who's 10, is like, eh, whatever, it'll all work out. But <laughs> whenever something would go wrong for my oldest, he'd be like, okay, I really hope I don't get a baby. And he'd roll the dice, the next thing he gets a kid, right? And so all of a sudden, you know, with three times around the wheel, all of a sudden he has three kids and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm making $600 per payday. This is terrible. I hate it. I hope I don't get, you know, lose my job and next roll, lose his job. Lose his job. And I was like, buddy, you got to stop thinking about what you don't want and start thinking about what you do want. He goes, oh, well, I want a good deal. I was like, well, that didn't work out. 
be specific. He's got to be very, very, and all, all of a sudden he was like, said, okay, I want to roll a four and I want to roll a five. The next five rolls in a row, he got exactly what he was looking for. It was really funny. Versus my other one who just, you know, doesn't have a care in the world, just having a good time. Like he's fanning himself with all the money that he's making, right? He's just like, you know, making it rain and throwing cash out there and thinks it's hilarious. But he doesn't understand the bigger picture of like how to actually win the game versus my other one who does. And he gets in his head about it. So once my older one kind of twist fixed his mindset about it, he goes, okay, well, that's what I need to do. Like three rolls later, he's out of the rat race, right? And so for anyone that doesn't know what game I'm talking about, Cashflow 101, it's a game by Robert Kiyosaki. But it, it was just that really funny thing. Like his negative mindset kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I could see he was on the verge of tears. And he actually did take my advice and shifted everything and fixed it. And all of a sudden got out of the rat race. First, the other one who was having the best time in the world making all this money, but didn't understand the objective of how to win. And then when he realized what the objective was, he got really down and out because he's like, well, this sucks. I have all the money. I have the most money. I should be a winner, right? <laughs> it's like right. he saw his brother turning around and all of a sudden he got naked and they started losing his money. It's just, it's kind of funny. I like that. Karma can hit you in really interesting ways. And, and I think that's so true of life too, right? Just like you were saying, if you have a person on your team who understands and has been there and has the experience, if things go wrong, they're going to be the one you want on your team. Right. Not the person who's like the first time raising the money, bringing in, bringing in the investors, things go south. Like, oh, well, I don't know what to do. I guess we'll just shut up shop and go to the next person, right? Yeah. And I, I, you know, that was the piece that I was missing when I first got started. I was great with spreadsheets, projection models, cap rates, discounted cash flow models. Like that was my jam. Um, you know, talking to people and the art of creating was like, you know, I remember when I picked up my first personal development book, I actually went to a program because I, I knew all the, the, the technical aspect and I was so upset. I was like, why am I not getting what I want? Right. Right. Why? I remember one day I said, I felt like I was lied to because I was told if I worked hard, I could have anything I want. I, there's no more hours to work and I don't have it. And so once I started bringing that creation, the mindset, the, you know, the intentionality of our thoughts and our words and our actions, dude, everything started lining up. I, I started getting exactly when I met my wife. I bought a business. I quit, you know, quit like everything because I was focusing on what I want, not what I didn't want. And there's many different ways to say it. And they all, you know, all these people out there that do the personal development, they all have sort of that underlying tone to it, you know, the same message. And I'm telling you, if like, if you don't have that with the technical, you're not going to get anywhere. And if you don't have the technical with that, you're going to, right. It's going to be airy fairy, you know, like, like yeah. your one son, right. And so you need the technical knowledge or somebody on your team, but you also need the, the, the mindset aspect of it too. hundred percent, hundred percent. So I wanted to shift back to you talking about managing the managers and you're in the business of buying businesses right now. So you're still doing real estate, I'm assuming, but you're also buying businesses. So right. what kind of businesses are you guys buying? You know, give us an idea, like just what kind of flavor are these businesses? So everything I do uh, is, is um, I have a very specific model of, of how we either buy, start, scale businesses. And so I love online service businesses, stuff that can be done. I know it. I have the team for it. And so we have our own finance team. We have our own bookkeepers, our own CPAs. That's a business in itself. Uh, we have our own uh, AI department where all we do is focus on automation. And we have we use the same softwares and everything. We use Go High Level. We use Slack. We use uh, ClickUp, right? So every the team, right, I can uh, leverage their excess capacity from company A to company B. 
Uh, and so everyone knows the software. Everyone knows, you know, it's like building a subdivision. It's the same house, every everything. And so we right. look for similar businesses uh, in the service industry. So right now we have uh, a bookkeeping and accounting firm uh, that we uh, that we run um, and we're scaling that. We have a book or a company called Genius in 21 Days. It is a company that I actually took their training. It teaches you how to learn. It was the most, this guy, he got on, uh, I was actually on the founder's board for one of these education companies we sold and he got on and, was, you know, he was pitching us his program and he, he wrote, I think it was 36 numbers down, a sequence of 36 numbers and he memorized it in like 20 seconds. And I was like, can you teach me to do that? He goes, yeah. And I, I signed up for his course and it was the best course I've ever taken uh, my wife and I took it. It taught it's really unlocked our brain. It teaches you how to learn. It teaches uh, you how to be more effective. And so over in Europe, they have 60,000 five-star reviews and he owns the whole uh, U.S. Um, franchise for it, but it's just him. And so he couldn't afford a guy like me, uh, you know, so, you know, we, we brought our whole team in for a stake of the company, stake of the profits. Uh, but it's again, very same model, online delivery, uh, sales funnels, like all of that is very similar to everything we do. Uh, we also have a, a architect and design company for houses. Uh, so where that, uh, again, these are all, in, in my opinion, um, there's a lot of people out there that can do it, but there's very few people out there that are successful at running a business with it. And so like, you know, I, everybody I know has challenges with their bookkeepers and their CPAs, right? Uh, you know, actually doing the, the extensive stuff. Same thing with architecture and design. It's like they're backed up. They're, you know, it's, they, they don't have the social skills. They don't have the technical skills to make it a business, but they're really good at the craft. And so I found somebody that was really good at the craft. He, you know, uh, hired me as a consultant and we're, we're getting equity for whatever it is that we bring. Uh, and so those are the, the th uh, then obviously we have a wholesale real estate company. And the idea behind that is, uh, all of these high net worth people where I do uh, consulting, uh, fractional CFO work, or even I own, uh, you know, we we buy real estate with our proceeds of our business. So we make money in business and then we store it in rental real estate. And so we have a wholesale company that helps us get direct to seller on that. And then obviously our cash flowing rentals, be it short term, nice, midterm nice. or long term. Very cool. And so... I imagine there's, there's going to be people listening to this. They're going to say, hey, you know, Zach, that sounds awesome. But it sounds like a lot of people to manage. How in the world do you do that while you're traveling, you know, living in Colombia? I imagine a lot of these businesses, like they're online, but you said you have people in, what, 11 countries now? So Yeah, 11 countries. How in the world are you managing this and how are they all staying afloat and staying profitable? Well, it's about having the right people. And so they're... Um, most of my team is from South America, right? And so it's 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 fun to look at. Like each geographical place in the world has like their own skill set, talent they're known for. Uh, all of my salespeople are from Venezuela. Uh, my really? I like my operations is from Colombia. Um, uh, we uh, my my marketing people are from Colombia. Uh, and there was this beautiful, um, oh my gosh, article. It was about free agency. And I read it a couple of weeks ago and it talks about, you know, being able to make a decision, being able to, I, I call it the figure it out skill set. And so my team, I tell them where I need to be. I claim, uh, I paint the picture. I paint the vision. I say, this is where I need to be. This is by uh, when I need to get it. Uh, I have to go figure it out <laughs> type thing. And then I make myself available 
But I've learned like I need people that have the critical thinking skills. And all of these people, like my uh, the head of uh, director of operations, she was sent to America uh, not knowing English with two months worth of money and said, figure it out. She learned English, learned how to make money. Uh, you know, all my sales team, they, they've all figured out how to leave Venezuela, which if you guys know, I mean, there's some economic challenges there. Um, so these are very resourceful people. You know, they don't have the pedigree of the, the Ivy League colleges or anything like that. But man, you, you put, them in, put them in a problem and they'll solve that problem. And then what I do, I think uh, the, the head of uh, Jack Welch, the head of GE, I remember, and it's different when you hear this information on the other side of experience. Is find great people, pay, pay them well, and get out of their way. Whoa. And so I pay them very well. I pay them more than anyone else will ever pay them because I don't want them to leave. I want them to stay here and they get a percentage of whatever it is we make. So the better they do, the better I do, or better I do, the better they do. And then I, I pay really uh, good money for high-end masterminds and coaching for them so that they can get developed, so that they have some progression inside of the companies. And I, you know, it's my goal to keep the vision, to uh, keep them in, in uh, uh, keep them excited, and then you know, obviously keep the keep the money coming in, and it, they figure it out whatever it is themselves, and I help put the puzzle pieces together. Oh, I love that. It's it's so important too, right? And you know, my my dad and my brother and I we talk about this pretty regularly. My my dad's an engineering guy. My brother's a master BMW mechanic, and we talk about this critical thinking is like a lost art. It seems oh my. like, <laughs> and it, it blows my mind. You know, I'm just like thinking, and again, I come from a nuclear Navy. I, you know, we had to be able to figure stuff out because if something goes wrong, there's no phoning a friend. Right. Right. Um, and, and you look at how people operate and they literally throw up their hands before it even gets hard. Right. They just like an obstacle and they throw up their hands. They can't figure it out. Or the the ones that drive me nuts are the, the folks that will get stuck and then wait for the next opportunity that you're supposed to meet with them for them to come up and tell you they got stuck as opposed to either bring it to your attention right now or figuring it out, right? So I think that's a really huge lesson. And you were saying that, you know, the, these folks that you're hiring, that's probably, it sounds like, um, if I'm reading between the lines, that's the number one thing you're looking for, not necessarily what's on their resume. Yeah, I, I look for I look for grit. Like I yeah. was, so I was over in Bali, and you know, there was hanging out with some uh, really successful uh, people that own big resorts, right? And they were just sort of talking about staff and that. And I said, I don't really care what's on the resume per se, college stuff like that. I like what what's the grit because things are going to get tough when you're developing yourself into becoming successful. Like you have to grow and you have to push through your mental obstacles and, you know, your personal obstacles. I, I, I had to quit hanging around certain friends, you know, all of these social aspects too. It's like, oh yeah, it's going to be tough. And so what, what do you have grit and do you have intention and what's your life's purpose? And just understanding those uh, human characteristics. Cause I can teach somebody, I could teach somebody finance. I could, right. I could say, go watch this class. I, I have all the expensive mastermind resources for my team but I can't teach grit. I can't teach perseverance. I can't teach that stuff. So either you got it or you don't, but if you got it, I can, I can develop it into something. Oh, I love that. That's, that's so important too, because we, we tend to value education, at least in our country, way more so than I think we should for one. And secondly, we don't value the right type of education, right? right. The, the education of, you know, the, the school of hard knocks, right? Being able to just 
get through a situation without having a mental breakdown, for example. I've, uh, I've had many times where I've just, I've literally, I've had panic attacks. I've been just curled in a ball because I didn't know what to do, crying. And, you know, you're not, th- this vision of business, this vision of having a great life, entrepreneurship, whatever you want to articulate it as, it's oversold. And what I mean by that is people aren't telling the truth of what it takes to get here. Right. But I'm telling you, once you get here, it's, it's, it's worth every second of it. The question is, do you got what it takes to, to, to get through the storm? Uh, because, you know, I, I talk to people on a regular basis. They have a total misconception of what they think, you know, making big money is, you know, like, oh, I'm get to work for the four hour work week is, you know, uh, and it's like, yeah, that dude works four hours now, but man, he busted his butt to get there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm sure he was working like 96 hours a week writing the book. <laughs> right, right. And so, you know, it is possible, but the, the only, and this is why I named my company, my company is called Learn and Grow Rich. It's like, I just had this epiphany. I was like, you're not going to get anything unless you pick up a book, study it, and then go put it into practical use and then get the feedback loop. Okay, that didn't go like they said in the book. What went wrong? Oh, and the biggest challenge is, in my opinion, is people, right? Because if everyone did what they were supposed to do, the world would be a magical place. The challenge is, is they don't, and you have to deal with people and, and that. And so I became a master of people. And the first person I had to master was myself, right? <laughs> and, and that mindset and that personal, uh, I, uh, the, the taking personal responsibility and not blaming anybody else. And then once I managed my emotions and, and you know, humanity, then I was like, oh, they had the same thing I was dealing with. I knew how I got through that. I can help them get through that. And so that's, that's what I focus on a lot today because- Today, I'm, I'm dependent on other people's actions. And if they don't do it, I don't get what I want. And so I've become really great at learning how to inspire people and coach people and, and, and get out of their way. And you know, just bringing it full circle here, going back to your initial goal in life, travel the world, make money and have fun doing it and helping people, right? Right. Um, you know, you can't do that if you don't have effective managers or operators, as we call them sometimes, Right. Like you're obviously not getting in and doing the bookkeeping. You're not getting in and doing the architecture or the design, and you're probably not building a single sales funnel. There's probably very little of the actual work that is getting done by you. Right. But what you're focusing on is the leadership aspect, making sure that your teams are working cohesively, rowing in the same direction, all of that, and all the analogies you can think of, right? And at the end of the day, by doing that effectively, you are essentially the owner, the chairman, the investor, whatever you want to call it. And it helps fuel that, that lifestyle that you've been looking for. Yeah, I call it the shareholder model instead of the CEO model. <laughs> like, I want to be a shareholder. I want to be like, okay, things are good. My goal, you know, I got this big, uh, I like doing hard things. Like, I, I've gone on a, a, a survival trip into the Amazon where we're literally, we go in the middle of Amazon and we just slept on the floor. Like, not on the floor, but like, we had to, we slept in a hammock. It was super scary. We had, we ate, you know, for uh, stuff. We um, got off the land. I caught a, came in with my hand. It was, it was ridiculously fun, but it reminds me of like, when you go back into business, it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's life or death in the Amazon, but we don't see it as life or death in business, but it is right. It really is your decisions, your, your inability to do something. Your your when you freeze up because you're afraid to whatever in business, it's like, there's not the proverbial death that you would, if you got stung, you know, uh, by a swarm of bees or something in the Amazon, but your dreams die, your goals die, like something inside of you dies. 
And so these, you know, it's my experience. Everybody wants to be great. They just don't know how they don't, they don't know what that, the, the emotional aspect of it is. And, and there's so much miss, uh, I don't want to say, there's so much contradicting information out there. And that's something I dealt with a lot was, you know, trying yeah. to get it right. Like I got person, you know, I got Jeff saying this and I got Zach saying that. And, you know, the third person that says, those guys don't know what they do. Uh, they're doing, you need to invest in crypto. And then the fourth person saying, no, you know, e-commerce is the way to go. And the fifth person's like, well, stay in your job. It's too risky. You'll lose it all. And it's just like, who's right? And what I've learned is you just, you just got to know, like, no set a direction. I think you should have two mentors in life. I think you should have one that has everything you want to show you the direction. And I think you should have one, at least two. I'll put at least, I have many more than that. And then a one right in front of you, a, a step or two ahead of you to show you the steps. This is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. This is why you need to do it. And I, that's sort of a mantra I've used and it's, it's served me well. That's great. Awesome. Zach, I really appreciate it. This has been a phenomenal interview. I could go with, uh, along with this all day and just more about your journey and you know what you've done and what you've accomplished at a relatively young age. You know, if we're being honest here, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are, you know, I, I know I've, I found myself, I'm looking at my life sometimes like, hey, how am I only here? And I know full well that I'm much further along than other people might think at my same age. And I think there's a lot of people They'll be watching this interview wondering the same question, like, how how has he done so much and I'm only here? So to those people, you know, a couple things, what would be a, a thought you would leave them with, right? If they're feeling like maybe you've got it figured out, right? That's what they're probably thinking right now. He's got it figured out. What What's a piece of advice you might leave them with? And then how can people find you online and, and maybe connect with you? Yeah. So a couple things. Read uh, read the book, The Gap Versus a Gain. It'll change your life. It, have you ever read it? Um, I haven't. That one, that one I haven't uh, heard of. The Gap Versus the Game. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Gap Versus the Game. And it talks about, and this is for the listeners out there that are dealing with that because I do, I trust me, I, I, I catch myself doing that too. But what it talks about is it talks about measuring measuring your life by what you accomplish, not by uh, what you haven't accomplished. And so it says, look in the rear view mirror, start writing down. What did you actually win on today? What did you actually accomplish today? As opposed to what didn't you accomplish? And it totally changes the perspective of, uh, of your life. And I remember I was dry, uh, reading it, uh, in a car coming back from, I think it was last Christmas. I read it. Cause I, you know, I deal with, it. I'm not, you know, I, I hang around very much more successful people than me. And I was like, well, they're younger than me and they, this, and they, that, you know, same, same complex. And then it was, you know, they put it to this, uh, you know, I was driving. So the horizon, I always, and it's like, you're never going to get to the horizon because once you do, it's that proverbial spot, it's still up there. And so uh, just understand that, you know, um, there's another couple of quotes I want to share is, you know, happiness is a direction, not a, not a destination. And you can move in that direction every second of every day, right? So you can get happier and happier and happier. And the last one I want to leave you guys with is this is it. And I have to remind myself of that. Uh, I love the book by v Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. He was in a Nazi concentration camp and every day he found joy. He said, they're not going to take my joy. They're not going to take my happiness. I create that internally and it gets to go with me anywhere I go. And so whenever you know I have a little pity party, I'm just like, oh, this is life. This is it. Right, nothing's gonna change. You know, not the new car, not the new house, not the X material thing. I get to choose: do I want to be happy right now or not? And that that's a that's a powerful thing to be able to do. 
Awesome. So I have to say you were the first person that I've interviewed and I've done, you know, hundreds of these, not necessarily on the podcast, but hundreds and hundreds of interviews. Victor Frankl's Man Search for Meaning is like the book that changed my life, completely 100% changed my life. Um, and I, I talk about that one. That one in Unbroken is another great one, right? Well, that's a, that's a beautiful, yeah. But, you know, so I appreciate you saying that one. So we'll definitely make sure we put that in the show notes. And then how can people uh, find you online? Yeah, the best place to find me is my blog. You know, I have a bunch of different social media platforms and, and different businesses, but everything, uh, sort of my journaling and my my free space is my blog. So it's indianaolman.com. Uh, Indiana, like the state, I-N-D-I-A-N-A, Olman, O-E-H-L-M-A-N.com. Uh, you know, it was the idea I had. Uh, I loved uh, uh, Indiana Jones when I grew up. I just thought the world of adventures and, you know, I had forts and doing stuff like that. I just love that stuff. So, you know, I made a little play on that and I write about business. I write about more personal development, goals, financial stuff, just anything that comes to my mind is sort of my space. Awesome. Zach, I really appreciate it. We'll make sure we get all that in there. I wasn't going to test you on the spelling there. You know, we'll make sure we get it right. But, um, we'll, we'll get that all in the show notes for you. Um, Zach Ullman, everyone. Thanks so much for being here on the Angels Exits and Acquisitions podcast. Take care. Thanks for having me, Jeff.